Hey everybody, welcome to the show. Today's episode of the show is brought to you by Infinite Off-Road. Let me tell you real quick, before you pause, before you slide, uh, Infinite Off-Road has really stepped it up for us today. Um, From this point on, Infinite Off-Road is now offering 10% off the entire website. 10% for all of our listeners. So all you have to do is go online, type in the code word ROCKS, R-O-C-K, I have trouble spelling, R-O-C-K-S, and that will get you 10% off the entire website at infiniteoffroad.com. That includes light bars, pods, rock lights, UTV mirrors and grills with lights inside of there. They have whips, the color change whips. Um, They have everything that you could want, but especially the rock light kits. If you're on Facebook, if you're on any platform at all, or if you've out riding at any park, I'm sure you've seen Infinite Off-Road light, uh, Rock Lights. They're the brightest. They're the best. They just, it's crazy. When you see them in a dark room, they can do some insane lighting. Uh, they're the widest, brightest patterns. And they also are the only Rock Lights on the market which have a pure, dedicated white emitter. Huge, huge ordeal. They do not mix colors to make white. I say it every time, but that doesn't make sense to me. I don't know how you mix colors to get white. But... It's going to be great. So today on the podcast, we have Kyle Lowry. Kyle Lowry from Dirt Dauber Racing. Um, I really enjoyed talking to Kyle. Kyle has a new buggy that he recently designed uh, with, uh, I believe it was the Wolf Fabrication Team. Uh, it's called the Hellion Buggy. And let me tell you, this thing is uh, nothing short of just badass. Um, it's designed um, based off of Shannon Campbell's Ultra 4 IFS car. Um, it really does look like it, and today we talk about how he decided to build that rig, why he built it the way he built it, and everything in between, and also where you can find Kyle this year as we begin to race. So, without further ado, Kyle Lowry, ladies and gentlemen, enjoy the show. I'm actually going to say one more thing before we do get to the podcast. Make sure you are entered on our contest on Facebook, Instagram, everything has the link. Uh, to get on there, you just follow that link, you sign up for our newsletter. I won't send you an email, not yet at least. Um, but what we're doing is we're building a fan base so that we can help bring you guys more content. The more sponsors we can bring on board, the higher quality uh, sound we can get you guys, everything. Um, find that link on Facebook. We're hosting a huge contest. Uh, today's side by side videos sent me a bunch of gear. Send it off-road, sent me a bunch of stickers. Um, every single day, these parts are adding up. I have hats, I have shirts, I have stickers, I have a 1000 XP Razor drivetrain belt. Everything is adding up, and you don't want to miss it. So please go on Facebook, Instagram. Everything is on there. It's on our YouTube links as well. Um, get entered in this contest as soon as possible. Also, if you go on Facebook and you share one of our posts, um, that post will also, one share will requalify you again for another entry. So at the end of the Southern Rock Racing Series, we're going to pick everyone, put them all on a list, and we're just going to do a random pick, and one person will win everything. So I hope you are in that list. But back to the show, Kyle Lowry. Here it goes. Get a drink and gather around. Let's talk drivers. Let's talk rigs. Let's talk skill. You've got the best of the best in the off-road racing world. Have a seat at the table with us, and let's talk about racing on the rocks. We're already recording, and if you're ready to go, uh, we'll just go ahead and get started. Um, Kyle Lowry, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Kyle, how you doing? Doing good, man. How about you? 
Man, I'm doing really good. Uh, I know we had a little bit of a scheduling conflicts here and there, but I'm, I'm super stoked that we got a chance to make this work because you actually sent me some pictures on Facebook uh, of your new rig, and I am really, really looking forward to talking about it. Um, but before we get there, uh, tell me about you, Kyle. What do you do? Who are you? Uh, outside of racing, you know, let's get to know Kyle. All right. Um, well, by day, I work for Memphis Light Gas and Water. It's a utility company in Memphis. Uh, I do basically just construction, but more so along the lines of asphalt and concrete work. Mm-hmm. Um, when we dig something up, I fix it, basically. <laughs> there you um, go. <laughs> and that's pretty much it. Uh, I've been doing that for about six years now. Um, and, you know, I love it. It gives me a chance to drive around and be out of an office. I don't have to sit in one spot all day. I can, you know, kind of cruise around and see what's going on in the city, which is kind of cool. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, other than that, um, I'm a musician. I've been playing piano since I was four and that's guitar awesome. for I don't know, I've probably been playing guitar for about 10 years now or something like that. And there's yeah. probably videos of me singing on stage in church when I was probably two or three. So, Man. You know. So do you ever do you ever play any shows or anything like that? Not anymore. Um, it's just gotten hectic with a baby and racing and work and everything else going on. It's, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's hard to find time to work on the race car, let alone go play a show at... Two o'clock, you know, till two o'clock in the morning on a Thursday night. Yeah, trust me. I, uh, I, I, so I'm on the flip side of that. I actually work in an office all day, and I work about an hour from my house. So uh, I totally get the fact that you know I, I get up about four fifteen, four forty-five, somewhere in between there. Make it to the gym, drive an hour, go do my seven to five, and then come home and you know do the podcast. So. Uh, I completely right. understand that there's there's only a few minutes left in the day to spare. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So uh, I want to talk about how you got into the whole off-road world. What was your first rig? Where did you start? You know, that kind of thing. So, uh, so fill us in. So I guess I, I kind of, I never really had a, a rig as a kid. I never had anything... My family wasn't ever really into it or anything like that. I never raced motocross like most of these guys do. I just, you know, all my friends had four-wheelers and stuff, and it was always something I wanted to have. But, you know, at the time, the parents didn't have the money to get one. And, you know, at, at you know, 10 years old, I sure wasn't buying one. So <laughs> yeah. I just kind of, you know, lived vicariously through them. And I, you know, watched them ride and have a good time. And every once in a while, I'd sneak off and go when I could. But, you know, it was it was never something that was I thought was ever really in the cards for me. And uh, after I got on with the utility company, I was I'd been there for probably a year or so. I needed a truck, so I went and got a new truck. But you know, I said I still I don't feel like I've really treated myself. I got something I had to have because my other truck was just. I mean, it's on class living. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, I think when I traded it in, they gave me three or four hundred dollars for it. Oh man, that, <laughs> that always hurts. Um, you know, I did, I still didn't really feel like I treated myself, not that I'm just super deserving of anything, but, you know, I felt like, hey, I've earned it, I worked hard, you know? Yeah. Put myself here, so I'm not going to afford it, so let's do it. So, I went, and the first thing I ever bought, I bought a, uh, at a last minute necessity, I had to, I joined a, a duck on leash that I needed a four-wheeler to act in. And there was only two four-wheelers and a group of eight guys, and that was just going to be a headache. I said, you know what, I'll just go find one cheap somewhere. So I found a little $2,000, I think it was a Honda 
350 or 450 or something like that with the foot shift and you know and it was on its last leg like the truck was <laughs> yeah. but uh i kept it for i don't know i probably made it through a duck season and a half of another one before i finally just got tired of it smoking and you know being a, a pain to start and everything yeah. you know what i'm done with this thing i posted it on sale for sale on facebook and within four or five hours uh, I, I had it sold. A guy was on his way to the house to come look at it. Well, you know, I got to talking with some buddies, and I was like, y'all all have raptors now, so let's say I get one of those. Well, they kind of guide me through. My buddy Brandon and uh, my buddy Steven guided me through and, and, you know, helped me pick out what I thought I needed. And at the time, the turbo that just came out, and they had the recall with the fire and all that stuff. So I was like, all right, well, I'm going to steer clear of the turbo. I'm not racing anything. I don't need that anyways. I'll just get the 1,000. Yeah. So I get the 1,000, and I mean, it was almost like instant within, you know, a few months of trail riding, and I was loving it, but at the same time, that feeling you get in the pit of your stomach where the first time you get in a razor and you stand it to the footboard, you never felt anything like that, the front end picks up, your stomach kind of jumps up in your throat, and you're like, wow, this thing's quick. Yeah. That went away real, real fast. (laughs) And I was like, I need to be faster, but, you know, I just bought this thing, and I'm going to sell it already. (laughs) Of course, I'm worried about the fire. Yeah. hazard with the turbo and like, oh, man, I don't want something that's going to be in recall all the time and I'm always having to take it to the dealership. Well, sure enough, a couple months later, the 1000 got a, the same fire safety recall yep. as the turbo. So I was like, well, I should have just got the turbo. Yep. But, um, so that was my first one and I, I just trail rode it a bunch and we, we put a Pruitt cage on it. All that stuff was looked great and it was awesome, but you know, just kind of one of those things when you don't build a car to race, it's kind of not be a race car. Yeah. Absolutely. So it was heavy, and you know some of the stuff wasn't up to snuff's axles, and you know it had lower suspension components and trailing arms, but it didn't have any upper stuff, and uh, the diff was stuck, and well stuff like that that could be fixed. But at the end of the day, you're still like empowering all these guys. You're showing up, you know. And I decided, you know, a couple of buddies were racing at the time, and I was like, man, that looks like fun. I'm gonna just go watch. So I went and watched, and the more I watched, the more I wanted to join in, and. I said, well, we'll just race this 1,000. Well, after a couple of beatdowns on that thing, you realize that, you know, you may not be the best driver in the world, but at the end of the day, if your equipment isn't even remotely up to snuff, it don't matter. You know, you can win in a 1,000 all day. It's not to say you can't, but when you're breaking the same part over and over again that you know a turbo offers a stronger version of, it's kind of hard to say no. Well... I had still not decided I was going to get a turbo. I, you know, raced the full, my first full season at Southern Rock Racing in a 1000, uh-huh. uh, full body with a, the big giant Pruitt case that weighed a million pounds on it. <laughs> but I was having a good time meeting some of the best people I've ever met. So, you know, I was pumped up about it either way, but yeah. I, uh, I had a wedding I had to go to and, uh, I'm sure you know John Campbell and Nick Campbell yeah. uh, for Big John Off Road. They uh, they were going to a race at Rush, and it was the first race I wasn't going to be able to make it to. So um, I said, you know, this is, now I think at this point, I'm kind of jumping a little bit, but we're at the midway point of my second season uh-huh. racing uh, SRS, I believe. is. I think that's how that went. I think mm-hmm. that's the timeline. Um, so, you know, I said, Nick's an awesome driver. He doesn't ever get the opportunity to drive. His brother's driving rock doctors and everything, you know, every weekend. And I believe in Nick, so I'm going to give Nick this opportunity. I'm going to give him this race car, and I'm going to say, it's not a super race car, but it's a race car all the same. I see how well you can do. So 
I ended up letting him race at Rush, and I also let him race at Moonlight. And I think I let him race at Moonlight first. Yeah. But at Moonlight, he ended up racing his 900 XT, and uh, I mean, it was bone stock 900 XT. I'm talking. <laughs> I believe it even had a stock cage on it. Yeah. Like stock arms, stock everything. And he put it on the podium, third place against. And I, I think he was up there with with Brandon and Timmy, I believe. Yeah. Uh, in a 900 XT, I said, "Man, he he did good." So, all right, Rush is coming up. I'll let you run Rush. So he runs Rush, and we break an axle. You know, we were running an inferior product at the time. We've gotten returner cycles since then. We're on board with them. They, they back us, and they're the toughest on the planet, if you ask me. Yeah. Um, but at the time, we weren't, and uh, I let Nick Nick run at Rush. He probably said a broken axle, but then afterwards, you know, he got around playing around in the razor. He ended up trying to climb the bouncer race hill mm-hmm. that night. Barrel rolled it down the hill. It pulled an axle out of the rear and stabbed it through the, the stock frame. Ooh. Broke some stuff here and there, whatever. But, you know, he called me all upset. I mean, he was tore up about it bad. Now, uh, now what I'm year was this? Pulling my razor up. This was a, I'm sorry, this was a 16 1000 XP, and it was, oh, two, two seasons? No. When did I? I nope. cartwheeled down the hill at finals. It's the first race in the turbo, so it was that season. So not the last finals. So two finals ago. Okay. Two, two seasons ago. Is there a is uh, there a video of him coming down the hill? Somebody has one. It never made it anywhere. I don't think. Okay. I think because they, I think he even told me he was like, "Don't send this to anybody." <laughs> like he wouldn't he wouldn't even send it to me for his phone because he was upset that he had done it. He thought I was mad at him. Yeah. Yeah. Really. Yeah, you gave, know, you, gave you a reason to get another one. Gave me a reason to go get the turbo. Yeah. Um, so I did. I went and got the turbo after he barrel rolled it down the hill. It was it was pretty wasted. Um, and, and to be completely honest, it was mostly wasted before he barrel rolled it down the hill. Yeah. It was just kind of the straw that broke the camel's back, I guess you would say. Yeah. Um, so, you know, with some time and dedication, you probably could have saved it. But why? Yeah. So we went and got a turbo. Um <clears throat> Still at Olive Branch Power Sports, got us hooked up on a 17 turbo for a, a steal of a deal on that. And uh, we raced it, like I said, first race out at finals two seasons ago. And mm-hmm. just didn't even really know what I was doing with it. Yeah. The power difference and everything else was just weird. Now, is this, the, turbo, this the black turbo that's on your Instagram for Dirt Dauber Racing? Okay, cool. Correct. Yep. Um, and we came down that big drop off, and I was trying to hang the back tire on a tree. Yeah. And missed that tree ever so slightly. Mm-hmm. And Barrel rolled it down that hill about five times. And basically, yeah. totaled a, it had 17 miles on it when Zach dropped it off at the, uh, at the park. Yeah, Wait, I'm, I'm, I'm looking there. at a picture of it. And it, uh, it, I can tell you, it's on your Instagram, probably on your Facebook as well. Um, yeah. It's not in good shape. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think there was a, a single suspension part left on it that didn't have some kind of bend or break in it. Yeah, I mean, uh, especially it, that, that driver. It, it for sure. <laughs> yeah, that driver rear tire looks like it. Uh, it's it's almost 180 degrees level with the ground. So it, yeah, it was a hovercraft for sure. Yeah, it looks good. <laughs> um, so I want to yeah. I want to roll it back and I want to ask you a couple questions. Um, the first one is, you know, you raced this 1000. You know, you said it was a 16 1000. Is that correct? Right. So you race the season in the 16 1000 and you eventually go to the 17 turbo. Uh, or, you know, and now you're in a turbo, you know, I, I want to get your perspective on the 1000 versus the turbo. Um, obviously you get a little bit stronger parts, but 
you know, is it that much faster? Is it that much better to drive? You know, what are the main, is the suspension that much better? What are the differences that you think between the 1000 and the turbo? Well, all in all, to me, the, the biggest difference is, like I said, the, yeah, it is clearly more powerful. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the biggest difference is the transmission and the front disc are leaps and bounds ahead of the 1000, and now even with the RS1 and Turbo F dip, right. are leaps and bounds ahead of the turbo dip. But, mm-hmm. you know, at the time, that was the strongest stock dip you were going to get, and the transmission, nobody... Nobody wants to go in the transmission if you can avoid it. So yeah, I sold my um, buggy because I, I mean, I thrashed the transmission. It, I, <laughs> I went up some. I mean, I'm talking a bunny hill and just popped the front end over something, broke the output shaft, and like I was just done. I was so done oh, with yeah. all of it. Oh, it's a job too. It's not. It's not anything fun to tear into that transmission. I probably. Yeah. <laughs> So you said but, uh, the power is a big difference. You said right out of the gate. Now I hear a lot of times that people will say, you know, with the turbo, you don't really ever reach that power band until you are really, you know, laying in it. That if you're just yeah. regular trail riding, you're just doing some rock crawling, you know, that you don't really get the benefit of the turbo. What are your thoughts on that? I, I mean, to a point, I agree. Um, it, it doesn't really light until you're a little more into the RPM range. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not going to light right off the bat. I mean, it's a little turbo. It's not a huge turbo, so it doesn't take forever to spool up anyways. But yeah. it, it still is a small motor and a small turbo. So, yeah. you know, it, it takes it a second to light. So in, in a trail riding situation, it, it's one of those situations where, you know, if you're really getting after it, you're getting the benefit. If you're cruising around and, you know, doing some crawling type stuff, and mm-hmm. that you're, you, there's literally no benefit to the power gain because, you, like I said, you're not going to like the turbo yeah. crawling up the hill. Yeah, um, yeah. That's so. That's I'm I'm one of those guys that uh, I don't know if I don't have the courage for it or if I don't have the bank account. I don't know what it is, but um, it's pretty hard for me to want to go out there and just hammer down and stand to my machine every time I get out there and get in it. And oh, I'm with- <laughs> I had a turbo. Yeah, it's funny. I went from a 900 XP to a turbo, back to a 1000 buggy, and now I'm in a full body 1000. And I didn't ever really notice the turbo until you know exactly what you said. You really stepped in it and got going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it it seems, and and the 16 seems to me, and and I could be completely imagining this, but the 16 turbo seems to take a little longer. The 17 seems to be a little quicker and less laggy, I guess. Uh-huh. But, um, but it's still, there is still a little bit of lag where, you know, obviously with the 1000, it's just, you know, naturally aspirated, you get on and it goes. Right. Um, now, long distance-wise, endurance racing, the survival and Ultra 4 stuff and all that, yeah. um, the benefit is obviously immense in mm-hmm. long straightaways and, mm-hmm. the, you know, the open wooded sections, you're still in a woods course, but you got a little more room to open it up, and if you want you get it lit, it, it, it'll stay going, you know, yeah. you can really, really build up speed quicker, I guess, than you would be able to with a, a 1000, because at the end of the day, it gets faster, mm-hmm. for sure, but really, the I guess the biggest side, you know, speed-wise, is, is not necessarily the how fast it is, but more so how quick it is. Okay. It gets there faster. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that makes sense. Know, they, it, it's still limited, and it's not limited drastically higher than the 1000 is, but it gets to that speed a little quicker, especially if you can really get after it. 
Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, that's, that was that was one of the questions I had for you. I got a couple more, but we'll loop back around them when we talk about your current rig. Um, so you have this turbo. It gets trashed um, going up the bouncer hill. Um, or that was your turbo with 17 miles on it, correct? It got trashed. Well, it, yeah, it got trashed going down the race hill. Going down the, the race hill. Got trashed going up the bouncer. Hill. Okay, <laughs> that's just not a good place for you, is it? <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. I, I need to. I, I don't know. I need to just stay on flat ground, and get some short course action or something. <laughs> yeah. There you go. So, anyways, <laughs> jumping back to it, uh, what happens after you, you know, you have this turbo, this brand new turbo that you've got some serious work to do to it? Uh, what happens next for you? So, basically, it sat in Zach Garner's shop for about two months mm -hmm. after the season was over. Um, and as I got some parts together and sponsors got parts to me and, you know, stuff of that nature, I got over there and we slowly replace this and that and get her back going and I got with uh, one of my biggest sponsors Rock Life Off-Road right now I get over there and just better care of me than my family does half the time there you go. and uh, he got some doors and this that and the other stuff and Will Stewart over at Batcave Customs uh, he's been one of my closest friends in the rock racing world and, and uh, you know has taking care of me that's why you will forever see whether he built a cage on it or you know just you know is one of my friends and you know didn't do anything on the buggy doesn't mm -hmm. matter really what it is for eternity as long as i'm rock racing you will see a that gave custom logo on whatever card i'm driving in whatever wrap it is yeah, I, uh, uh, I I really like his work too. I actually the cage on my current one thousands of Bat Cave Customs. Shout out to Will. Um, he does some yeah. really good work. I, I really like it. He stuff. does. He does, and he, he's the first person to offer help yeah. any way he can, and you know, and has always always made sure I had everything I needed and was safe and and everything. He's you know, you don't really find people like Will very often. Yeah, he's, I would agree. He's a good one for sure. I would agree. I would agree. Um, so so moving on. Uh, it looks like you got you got the machine back together. Um, now, this is your current race rig that you've been racing uh, at the beginning of this season. The the one the rebirthed uh, one thousand turbo. Yeah, this this uh, this buggy we just started this season with is the same seven mile turbo that we rolled down the hill at final two years ago. Okay, uh, we raced it as a full body for one season. Um, and it went through, I think, three different iterations as a full body. It had, uh, mm -hmm. you know, it had one cage on it at finals, and then it had a more race spec lightweight lightweight cage at, uh, for the next season. And then halfway through the season, I decided to pull it all off and build a, you know, like a, a more like a short course spec with a, you know, the metal panel down the side and all that, mm -hmm. um, and and did all that. So it was three iterations of a as a full body before the end, before finals, I blew the transmission in the front diff um, and sent it up to Wolf Fabworks and he he stepped on board this year and built us a full tube chassis, basically an ultra bullet car. So before we get to the before we get to the tube chassis, you said, you know, you kind of went through this progression of uh, kind of a regular cage to a more sporty cage, ultimately to the, to the ultra four look. Um, what are the benefits of the different stages that you went through and, and you know did you like one better for one thing you know talk, talk a little bit more because there's a lot of guys out there who want to build their razors um to do one thing really good whether it's comfort or climb really well or 
look a certain way? You know, why why did it go through three stages before you chose to go to a full chassis? Okay, so um, that's actually one of the better questions anybody's asked me about that. Uh, because I, I, people look at it weird all the time. They're like, why did you change it? Mm-hmm. Like, well, I would find little things that I wanted to work. That's not that they didn't work. I just saw a way they could work better. And, sure. you know, being as close, you know, with Will as I am, it really just involved, you know, me calling him and going, you want to build me something else? And he's like, yeah, you want to sell the other one? Yeah, I'll sell the other one. <laughs> so we'll sell the other one and we'll move on. But, you know, the first one, there was really no issue with it other than I wanted a sun visor on the roof. I wanted the roof to wrap around down the front of the windshield a little mm-hmm. bit to block sun mm-hmm. a little more on the endurance racing because that's what I was going to swap to. Mm-hmm. The first one didn't have that. Mm-hmm. As well as the first one had two triangular supports on that the fifth and sixth point of the cage mm-hmm. that wouldn't really allow me to mount a case bar where I wanted it to be. Right. And with the bed deleted, there was really no way to have taillights without running the chase bar right. or doing a bunch of fabricating. So we, we said, well, we can cut it off. And he said, no, I'm not doing all that. I'm just going to build you a new case. So we sold that when he built me a new one, and it had mounts for fresh air, and it had the mounts for the light bars up front and the chase bar in the rear. It had the wrap-over roofs. Um, you know, it had all all that stuff that I needed mm-hmm. and that I thought would work good at that point, but still had, you know, the opening. I think it had PRP doors on it that Matt got me at the time. Yeah. Um, and all that, but it was still, you know, functional enough to pass, pass tech for survival when, when that series first came out and we decided we were going to race it. Mm-hmm. Um, but still not way off the deep end like it became because at the end, it became as too deafy as a full body has ever been. Basically. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the only thing left stock was the frame and the floorboard. Right. Pretty much everything else had been replaced. Right. Um, you know, and, and the aspect of that was just safety at, at high speeds like that in a rollover. You know, I, I would trust any case wheel built mm-hmm. to roll over in it. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to put the turkey seat in it and, um, you know, change my seating position a little bit. I've got... I've got longer legs and shorter arms, so I like the steering wheel really close to me. Yeah. And the problem that exists for people that are built like me, who, who, uh, or I'm, I said that backwards, shorter legs and longer arms, I'm sorry. Okay. The, the problem that exists is to get the steering wheel close enough to me that I'm comfortable, but not so close that my, that I can't steer it. Uh-huh. It puts me in a weird position with the, with the gas and the brake pedal, so when I go to left foot brake, I have to basically lay my foot on the outside ball of my, you know, like where my, my toes yeah. and my foot feet to hit the brake pedal. And that's just not a very firm foundation for brakes when yeah. you're trying to run fast and, you know, be precise with it. So yeah. what I did was I actually went to Spider Off-Road and had Jack Porter, that drives Venom, had him come over there and fabricate a mount. Um, we've used a, a seat lower, the normal metal seat lower base. I can't even remember who it was from. Mm-hmm. Um and we mounted the seat to that, but we, we canted it inwards just slightly so that yeah, I was more aimed towards the center than dead straight, and that way my knee wouldn't be in the way of the steering wheel and my foot could hit the brake pedal of my left foot flat. That's pretty cool. So once we did that, we realized that with that little bit of turn and adjustment in the angle of the seat, mm-hmm. that the stock doors and everything were going to be too tight on my shoulders and my elbow. Mm-hmm. So that... Basically, the only way to get rid of that is to either, A, get rid of doors, and I can promise you, you won't ever see me on anything without doors again. Yeah. So, 
the only other option was to build a cage that flowed out right there. So Will basically tied the next cage, which was the full Ultra 4 style cage in the full body, into the stock frame. It had a bunch of supports and gussets. It had all our normal mounts that we had for light bars, chase bars, fresh air system, you know, anything and everything we needed. Um, and then obviously the whole side was paneled, which uh-huh. was a lot cheaper than replacing a door. Yeah. If you were to tear it off, um, and easier to wrap too. Um, yeah. so the, the last iteration was where I felt the best that that thing could have been. It, it, like I said, it still had stock floorboards and fuel cell and stuff. Um, but as far as a full body goes without tearing every single piece of plastic off of the car, it was as good as it could possibly be as far as ease of use and, you know, being driver-friendly mm-hmm. to help make me better. And it, it was the best that I had ever had at that point. And, and you know, it was great. But it was still the limitation of a stop frame. Yeah, yeah. And that's, and that's weaker, uh, as you know. Yeah, and, and, and one of the main things that um, when I had my buggy, I realized, and uh, with all the drivers I've talked to, is just, I mean, the whole idea of the center of gravity pulling you down um, is a huge benefit of the buggy, but you really get to build something that is comfortable for your exact body type and your fitment. You do get to place the seat, you know, depth, how far away it is from the gas pedals, the lean on it. You get to, you get to pretty much make, you know, a, 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 as comfortable a position as you can. But the right. one thing that I know is, is so overlooked is that when you, when you bow those doors out a little bit, it really, it, it helps you stay planted because it gives you enough room to make that small adjustment while you're driving, just in your arms and in your shoulders. Whereas, you know, I'm not a huge guy. I'm not necessarily the widest guy either, but I find my, my knee and my, my left elbow banging into the stock door all the time and it drives me up the oh, wall. Oh, man. As a matter of fact, it, it, speaking of that, I mean, it's funny you said that. Me and Jamie, Cold Iron, who drove it, Jamie drove it for two survival series races with me co-piloting mm-hmm. um, and navigating for him. And after pre-running, it was at, through that bus and knuckle, the first ever survival race. After pre-running, that course was rough. Yeah. Um, it, you know, as you know, it's in the same mountain range as AOP, so that, if that tells you anything, it's it is rough. a beat down just driving down the main road. Yeah. And after we got done, he, he said, my knee is so beat up. And I said, man, mine is too. Well, our outside legs, his left and my right, yep. were just smashing that door bar, the support that runs through the door frame. Yep. Our knees were just beat to death on that thing. So we ended up, I don't remember if we went to, I think we went to Walmart, and we found a set of, like, volleyballs he had, and he put one <laughs> on his left leg, and I put mine on my right leg. So that our knees would, I mean, because they oh, were getting God. absolutely bashed on those doors. Yeah, I know exactly well, what you're that, talking about. That, we just kind of decided at this point, like, this turkey seat and everything else we're doing in here we need a little more room yeah so that was the other purpose of turning the seat inward it got my knee off the door and his too yeah and and like i said gave us more room in the top you know more like a funnel where yeah. you know i can adjust my shoulders and my elbow and keep them when i turn hard left yeah my elbow go backwards a little bit and not be stopped by you know a door or you know frame or whatever yeah i, I completely understand and that's a uh, that that just goes to testify that these vehicles aren't just, you know, just random parts thrown at a vehicle just because someone says they're tough. These are designed right. for the drivers, and they're designed to be extremely effective and precise machines. Um, you know, yep. 
I always, I'm always going to push that anybody and everybody can get in a race league and they can, you know, make a stab at being competitive. But uh, guys like you who really put investment into making their cars as most, as as drivable as they can be, um, it's right. hard. It's hard to compete with that. It's hard to compete with that. Every it time. is, and I mean, even even like me, you know, I work all day and then get home and. And then it's like, how much time do I have to work on the race car before I either A, get yelled at, or B, fall asleep? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> so I, I got to I gotta kind of, you know, mitigate my time responsibly there. But, you know, it's some of those guys that, you know, the super competitive guys, some of those guys will take time off work or, you know, businesses to where they can, you know, let them run themselves for a minute mm-hmm. and, and go deal with this stuff and spend all day in the shop. And it, that, like I said, like you said, it's even harder to compete with that yeah, than, awesome. you know, because, like I said, it took me three iterations and a full race season before I finally got one that I was comfortable with. But the the upside to that was, even though it took all year to find one that I was 100% comfortable in and worked exactly the way I wanted it to, all those, because it was so far gone from a normal full-bodied razor, mm-hmm. they could be transferred into the tube chassis, and it basically worked the same way. You yeah, know, we, we angled the seat a little. We yeah. you know leaned the top bar out of touch, you know, and, and all that stuff. And, and spread the brake pedal further to the left so it forced me to left foot brake so that I wouldn't, my brain wouldn't go right foot, no left foot. Yeah. Yeah. And confuse me. Yeah. You know, so it's far enough away where I physically can't reach it with my right foot. Yeah. So, so let's go ahead and go into it. Um, you, you know, you have the, uh, the pretty modded full body, about as modded as it can be. Um, you have, you said, uh, what was it Wolf Fabrication? Is that the name of it? Yeah. Wolf, okay. Wolf Fab Works. Wolf Fabworks, they build you the Hellion buggy. And let me tell you, when you, when we had a little dialogue on Facebook when we were first getting uh, kind of lined up for the show. You sent me pictures, and I was like, I just want to know everything about this buggy because, um, you know, you, you said it's basically an Ultra 4 rig. And I will beat a dead horse over and over and over again because I love the Southern Bouncer style Razor buggies, the Southern Bouncer, the you know, the Rock Bouncers, the designs. But right. it's pretty hard to tell me that, you know, the Ultra 4 rigs can't come to the East and be just as competitive as the bouncers. And it doesn't... Oh, and I mean, it doesn't, James, it doesn't, James Cantrell and, and Derek West have proved that that Every bit. I fully agree. Every bit possible. Every bit. And and the, the big, you know, kicker for that is it doesn't work the other way around. It seems, you know, you can't take a bouncer and, and go run it through King of Hammers. And if you think I'm wrong, go back and look at, you know... Uh, I think it's Keith Ritchie and the Plowboy Buggy. Yeah, uh, yeah, you know, Ritchie tried it. Go, go look at Tim Cameron. He didn't take his bouncers out there. They had a bomber car built, and you know, even right. then, it's a totally different ball game. Uh, we just don't see that kind of crossover. So, in my opinion, I think that we'll see more of what you have done, where you build these um, cross-platform is the right way to say it, I guess. Um, cross-platform yeah, that's probably a pretty fair word. Yeah, because I mean, you can go out. I know you can go out there and hill kill with these things. But but with the with the with the pre, not pressure but the rise of the endurance racing in the ultra four now having an east coast presence uh, for side by sides I think you've done something awesome I think you've set yourself up for you know longevity in the race league and you know you're going to be competitive now in every facet whereas the guys who have just dedicated bouncers they're going to struggle for sure uh, I definitely well, and, I definitely see and that that, that was a, a big point in the decision-making process when we built the buggy was to say, you know, because I, I don't know if, if anybody has caught on to that or not or, or realizes that, but Wolf Fabworks is 
part of that wolf, the wolf mm-hmm. that you know of, the, yes. the Paul wolf. That's, yes. well, that's Paul's cousin, Josh. Um, and Paul was over there when we were talking about designs and what we wanted to do and all that. You know, he said, look, this hill killing stuff, you need a single seater. You know, the, the sight line, the visibility is just, I mean, it, it is a massive, massive help yeah. to be able to see where everything's at. But the more we talked about it, and I said, well, you know, it's, for one, it, I can run an endurance race by myself, but it's just, to me, not even the navigating or anything like that or the winching or any of that, it's just more fun to run something like that with somebody else in there with you. So I can tell you... I just you, enjoy doing it with two people. Yeah, so I'm one of those guys, I, I typically go ride by myself. I have a, I have a two-seater. just so happens that if my fiancé doesn't go with me, you know, I kind of scramble to find people. Uh, I don't know if you've ever run into if you go trail riding... Everybody wants to go with you when you're just telling them a story, but when the day comes, hey, you want to go ride? We're going out so-and-so. Oh, I'm busy. Oh, I'm not playing for it. Oh, this and that, and then all this and that, and you get uh, you know, everything between the sun and under for an excuse. Um, but I, I run everything by myself, and I tell you every time, I love having people go with me. It makes it that much more fun, um, just trail riding. So I'm thinking... All the stories that I have trail riding, if I had, if I was in a race and I had the, you know, the the pressure of the race on the line, uh, the stories would just be, you know, twice as good. Oh yeah, oh yeah, for sure. Oh, and me and, and me and Jamie Feldiron, we we still talk about it to this day. Just you know, just the few that we ran together mm-hmm. were some of the best times we ever had racing. I mean, we yelled at each other and cussed each yeah. other, talked crazy at each other. The yeah. time we got out, we were hugging and high fiving. That's yeah. the most fun we'd ever had. You know? Yeah. That's what I, that's what I hear about a lot of these. Uh, the, a lot of the guys I've interviewed that have done King of Hammers, um, they just get out and they're like, "I said things to my co-driver that you should never say to a human being." But <laughs> as soon and most of the time, it's actually in the hammers. Um, but mo- you know, you'll, you'll get out of the conversation with them and they'll just be like, you know, at the end of the race, it's just like, man, I can't believe we did it together. You know, it's a it's a right. camaraderie that's just insane. So um, I applaud your decision to have a two seater because um, although visibility seems to be a big thing, I mean. You're only gaining, uh, you know. It is, it is helpful. But in my opinion, you know, just having the option to have someone else in there, just the option uh, outweighs the benefits you're going to get just from being able to gain a little bit of visibility. You know. Right, and then you know, the, and it, and if you design it correctly, you can still see the front tire. You know, 100%. I, we, we made sure the front internal panel was, you know, see through, yep. so that you can see the the right tire yes, out sir. front, even though it's a two seat test. Yes, sir. So let's talk about the chassis. Um, what parts you running on it? What are you most proud of? And what separates your chassis from everybody else, other than the thing we've already talked about—the fact that it's a uh, more ultra four rig design? Um, well, to start off with, I'm just the chassis itself. I am super, super proud of the way it turned out, and just super thankful. For Josh Wolf believing in me and, and you know stepping on board to do this for me, yeah. Uh, because you know I, I basically decided I probably wasn't going to build one unless I had found some form of sponsorship or mm-hmm. whatever somebody that wanted to do it. And just talking to Josh, he, you know, he said, "Yeah, let's do it. I'm yeah. ready to go." So um, he took my ideas and put them all into uh, into CAD and you know 3D designed it before he did anything with it and sent me some pictures and. You know, I sent him some pictures. I said, look, this is, you know, if you know, it's based after Dragon Slayer, Shannon Campbell's Ultra 4 car. Yeah, yeah. Um, we, I sent him pictures of it, and I said, look, try to build it as close to this as you can. You know, and he played with it and, you know, made the adjustments he needed to. But 
you know, he got it done. He got it done quick as far as the chassis goes. We're still working out some bugs here and there, little stuff that needs to be finished up or whatever. Mm -hmm. But he made it a drivable race car in no time flat, it seems like. So, um, you know, more than anything, I'm I'm just proud to to be associated with with Wolfab and, and Josh and his girlfriend Sarah and all, you know, they're just awesome people um, that, you know, help any way they can. And, I mean, I was on the way up there to pick up the buggy and brakes went out on my front left brake went out on my truck halfway <laughs> up. I got to Dyersburg, basically. Yeah. And was still four and a half hours from his house. Woo. The brakes went out on my truck. I pinched them off with a, a uh, uh, vice grip and called Josh. He found the parts and a buddy of his that worked at a parts store went and got the parts for me. Had him back at the shop, and when we got there, we swapped the brakes, got everything back, ready to go, left the buggy in the trailer, and headed to Winrock. Man, that's a that's yeah. a that's that's uh, trying to think of a, the right words to say. I try to keep this pretty clean, but that's a that's pretty badass, you know. That oh, is, it, that's just I, I couldn't like I, I couldn't ask for for a better friend, a better sponsor. I can I literally couldn't ask for it. Well, that's between awesome. him and him and Brian Dungan at Rock Life Off Road. I just like that. Yeah. If I didn't have any other sponsors, the two of them have given me more and helped me more than you know anybody I could ever ask for. Yeah. So uh, uh, one thing I do want to bring up. Spoiler alert! I had uh, I had Mr. Paul Wolf on the podcast. We recorded it earlier this week, uh, so he'll, oh. he'll be coming up. Um, really good to talk to him. Um, they are some of the nicest people ever. That was just, oh, yeah. it was a great, absolutely great conversation. Um, but so I'm reading. Uh, you kind of sent me some info on the car, uh, just so people have an idea. You've got a. It's based on the 2017 Razor XP Turbo. Uh, we yep. mentioned that it's a, a Wolf Fabworks chassis designed off the uh, you know kind of Dragon Slayer look. Now right. something I really love about the chassis is is the rear mount. It the the, the rear of the car. It just looks like. It, it, it looks like it's blind. Oh, it's man, it's cool. Like, just looking yeah. there, and I think, you know, when you sent me these pictures, it was the first thing I noticed when you, you sent me a video of it backing out of the trailer, and I was just like, damn, that thing, that thing looks good. <laughs> and I just want to know, uh, so you've got the radiator hanging, is that radiator hanging right off the back? The, the radiator sits directly above the motor, not, okay. well, directly, it's straight above it, but it's got a pretty good gap following the same fall as the, uh, as the rear uh-huh. uh, roof line basically would yeah. be. And then in the very back, sitting basically behind the transmission and the motor, is a about 11 to 12 gallon fuel cell. Okay, That's, that was my next guess. Cause it's a, you've got it in kind of an L shape, but but let me tell you, man, I, again, I can't reiterate. Uh, for those who are out going to races, please stop by, see this thing. This thing is badass. Uh, it looks oh, yeah. great. Yeah, we, we've probably filled it. Two hours worth of questions at Texas when we unveiled, and we didn't even get to race. Well, that's, and uh, we showed up to help John Campbell and them out in the bouncers, and we probably, me and Josh, collectively probably stood there for two, two and a half hours just talking to random people, asking questions about it. Yeah. Um, so let's see here. So you're running a ORB suspension, um, yep. classic. I mean, can't you got nothing but good things to say about them? You mentioned oh, earlier, but great. I mean, Justin is awesome, and he's and he's a fellow racer. So, yeah, you know, he knows what thing. it takes to build a park. That if, if you know, if he can't break it, then I probably can't either. Yeah, that's a that's a pretty good. You know, it's funny. I actually watched a video that I think Busted Knuckle put up yesterday, or Mad Ram. I'm not sure. And uh, it's when I think it was Race to Riches three. They were jumping this huge gap, and he oh, yeah. plowed his buggy uh, into this the side of this 
cliff looking thing and uh tire blue couple things blue bearings whole hub <laughs> only thing he says is well suspension held up <laughs> so yeah, that's oh, good yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah i remember the exact video you're talking about yeah yeah he was like well it didn't break the suspension yeah it broke, exactly it exactly. broke the mount off of the frame yeah it did <laughs> that's all right because it, it looked i mean it was messed up but that, the suspension links were awesome um, yep. but, but one thing I do want to talk to you about and get your opinion on, you mentioned Turner, Turner cycle axles, uh, being the best axle. Now I feel like it's more common that people know and, and kind of use RCV. Uh, what's the difference? Because obviously they look a little different. You know, one looks like it uses a bell housing and the other one looks like, uh, the Turner looks like it uses a standard, um, kind of side by side housing on the axle, the CV. Um, right. what, what, what's the difference? Why do you like Turner over RCV? Kind of walk to be that. honest, in the technicality, you know, the technicalities of one versus another, mm-hmm. I'm not really 100% positive. And, and from what I've been told time and time again, they're actually both made in the same shop. Uh, oh, nice. <laughs> for me, <laughs> yeah. for me, Daniel Turner and, and his crew over there, Kathy, Ben, all those guys over there at Turner have just been super awesome to work with. They, you know, they brought me in under their racer program and, and took care of me anything I needed. Um, and, and got it, you know, I think we needed axle nuts randomly one night, because yeah. I don't know, you know, with, with Turners, they have the, uh, the keyed spline end of the, the, uh, axle that sticks out through the hub, mm-hmm. you actually, instead of a cotter pin, it's got, you know, just like a flange on the outside of the castle nut, so you knock it down into right. the keyway yeah. to hold the nut on, yeah. I don't really even call that, but, uh, yeah. we had used some many times pulling front dip or whatever it was mm-hmm. we were pulling out, um, pulling stuff apart and whatnot. So we needed some new axle nuts. And I called them and I said, hey, I need axle nuts. How quick can I get them? And so I said, you know, told them who I was, whatever. They said, okay, uh, give me the address you want them sent to. I said, here's the address. They said, okay, they'll be there tomorrow. And sure enough, the next yeah. day when I got off work, they were sitting at my buddy's house That's with amazing. the razor ready to be put back on, ready to go. That's uh, awesome. You know, they've just, they've taken great care of me. And, um, you know, everything can fail at some point. Sure. I've just seemed to have seen far less Turner axles break than I have any other brand. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, Hey, it's, it's one of those things that, uh, a company that has good customer service and will support you. You know, I really think at that top level you are splitting hairs. Um, but Mm -hmm. a a company's customer service sometimes is, is the number one thing. So, uh, it's good to hear that they're taking care of you. Um, so I did want to bring up, I actually saw today, uh, as I was at work on Facebook, uh, don't be on Facebook at work, fellas, <laughs> um, uh, you were having a little bit of issue with your front diff engaging. Um, have you figured that out yet? Uh, actually, no. Okay. Um, All right. <laughs> we've narrowed it down a little bit. Okay. Um, Knox Griffin, Alex Dunick, and a bunch of other guys that, you know, I know through racing and, you know, that are just happened to be on Razor Life and all those other Facebook pages. Mm-hmm. So I touched them there and just kind of see what I could find out. We've pulled all the diff internals out and we've changed them all from, you know, the the aftermarket stronger stuff back to the stock stuff, a mm-hmm. combination of the two, anything and everything between. Mm-hmm. Um, we check voltage and at the diff it's getting the right voltage. Everything seems to be working the way it should. But for some reason, it's still not engaging. So mm-hmm. we've narrowed it down to it either has to be chassis ground um, and, you know, trying to build a race car from a bare chassis to breaking the beams in Texas yeah. in about three days can cause some problems 
with a brand new chassis. So, you know, yeah. it's possible that stuff got overlooked or even, uh, you know, just wasn't quite tightened down enough or, you know, whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's either something to do with the chassis ground, we feel like, or the side cover and magnet from the front diff going out. And, and, and that wouldn't be too far of a stretch. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm actually going to probably let it part tonight mm-hmm. and see if I can figure out the front diff because obviously I need to be leaving probably <laughs> about tomorrow at 8 p.m. Yeah. But we're, you know, we're kind of at the point right now where with everything we've had going on and trying to get this thing together and, and all that, um, we missed two races that we weren't able to run. So mm-hmm. we, you know, we didn't build any points there. And the mm-hmm. difference in me breaking the beam for 10 points and not breaking the beam this weekend for 10 points is pretty much irrelevant. Yeah. So at this point, we've pretty much decided to kind of, you know, hold back if we can't get this thing. If I put 100% confident in it before I put it back in the trailer, mm-hmm. then we're probably going to have to miss Wildcat and just, you know, use that time to get it 100% before the next one. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's always growing pains when you build a new chassis, usually. Yeah, you know, certainly. Unless you've got that design dialed in. Paul had that design dialed in. You know, yeah. the first year, he, he built something that worked perfectly, you mm-hmm. know, and that's a little bit of, a, a very little bit of luck. Yeah. But the mass majority is just knowing exactly what you were doing mm-hmm. to build it, and it worked the first time. So when he built the second one, all he had to do was little minor changes here and there, it seems yep. like. And, you know, for the you know mass majority of the project was pretty much a repeat of the last buggy you built. Right. So, you know, the growing pains were kind of decreased by, you know, that. Mm-hmm. But with a whole new design, something that is kind of far-fetched and weird to begin with, you know, and, and trying to make stuff work in a way that it's not necessarily supposed to, you end up with some growing pains. And, you know, I understood that going into the process of building the buggy that, hey, I'm probably not going to have my strongest finish this season. Mm-hmm. Because the beginning of this season is going to be tight if we get it done in, you know, in time in the first place. And even if we do, I fully expect there to be little bugs and issues that need to be worked out. There's nothing Josh could have done about it. I could have done about it. It's just, you know, you got to get it together. And get some seat time in it to find out what those are. But, you know, unfortunately, the buggy was put together at about 11 o'clock. It was finished. <laughs> yeah. He drove five hours to Memphis and picked me up at, you know, five, six o'clock in the morning mm-hmm. in Memphis. And we headed to Texas yeah. with the buggy. And I had never sat in it with a motor in it. So, so that kind of small details, things like the ground, things like that. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I run through stuff like that all the time. I was out riding the other weekend. My stereo wouldn't turn on, and it turns out my accessory, you know, hot, hot, hot wall, whatever you want to call it, the nut wasn't screwed down enough. Yeah, I just it wasn't getting a good enough connection to turn on. Screwed it down, turns on, fixed it. Um, that kind of thing happens all the time. Uh, you know, it's just a, it's just part of it. Now, one thing I do want to say is, have you gotten a chance to go out and actually run the buggy? Um, well, I, 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 to be completely honest with you, when I got the buggy to this moment right now, it has never turned the front tires to under power. Right, right. Um, so I have done actually a fair bit of driving, I would say, not any hill killing or anything like that, because mm-hmm. I'm obviously too little drive, but as far as just driving the buggy around a, you know, a woods course or something, we've kind of got one laid out over here, so, mm-hmm. um, you know driving it through there in two-wheel drive, but, you know, just to see how it handles and how it, you know, how the body moves and all that type of stuff, to, you know, just to get comfortable in it, my line of sight and everything like that. Yeah. I've done, you know, a fair amount of that just around here every day, um, 
but like I said, it, that all changes in four-wheel drive, obviously. But, right, yeah. uh, you know, for what I've been able to do, what I've learned so far is that I don't, I don't know if you've ever driven a supercar before, a Ferrari, Lamborghini, anything like that. No. <laughs> but they readily change directions like any, like nothing you've ever seen. It, it's, it's impressive. Like mm-hmm. you'd be going to the right, yanking to the left, and now you're going left, and there was no drama or squealing or flying or anything about it. It just went left. Yeah. And that's what I told Joshua with this quickener that you've got on it and all this stuff that you've done, the center gravity and everything else, this thing handles better than anything I've ever driven. I mean, I can I can turn the wheel to the left, stay in the gas pedal, let go of the steering wheel, uh-huh. and it'll keep dripping as long as I keep giving it the gas. Woo, man! I mean, it just it it'll. I've I've driven it around. I know this this turn out here in the in front of the house is is probably about three or four hundred yards long, and I've broke the back wheels loose through the entire thing. Woo, man! I mean, it right. just it just stays sliding and stays with speed. It doesn't fall off. It. I mean, it. I've never driven it. I can't express to you how I have never driven anything that handles this well before, ever. Well, that's exciting. So all that being all that being said, uh, what wh- which one are you more excited for? Just right this minute, are you more excited for the the hills that you're going to face? Or are you more excited for the endurance racing? You know, I I can't really say because it feels like trying to get this all together. And my main focus has always been Southern Rock racing. Um, that's my home, the National Rock Racing Association, Clyde and Dave and all those guys are like literal family to me. I can text them, call them for anything I ever need. They're always there for me. Yeah. Uh, so they're like, they're my home. Um, survival was one of those situations where I knew it would be fun and we enjoyed it the last time, last few times we did it. Mm-hmm. So we wanted to race it, but it was kind of one of those things where, you know, I can only build one tube chassis. And I know that an L4 car can race Southern Rock Racing. Right. But I don't think a single-seat tube chassis race car is going to do great in survival with a two-gallon fuel cell. So we decided, yeah, the main focus is Southern Rock Racing, but the buggy's going to be built more for survival because it can can multitask a lot easier as a survival rig than it can a straight field killer. Okay. So so that being said, uh, where are you going to be in this race season? Uh, You know, let, let, let's go ahead and say that tonight, tomorrow, you get your diff figured out. Um, are you you're going to be at Wildcat? You're 100 percent positive. Um, what all races are you going to be at this year? Uh, you know, are, I know you're going to be at the Southern Rock Racing Series. Are you going to go outside of the Southern Rock Racing Series to the to the Pro Rock to the Outlaw? Anything like that? Um, what we've got right now, our schedule is so jam packed between Southern Rock and survival if we can get it together and everything going. But, you know, barring any of that thing, the the car is 100% ready to go. We will definitely race every National Rock Racing event. Uh, We will also race every one of the survival events left, If again, if the car is together. Mm -hmm. And um, we had some talks uh, about racing some... uh, some of the outlaw stuff, we, we like what they, those guys are doing. It looks like a lot of fun. Yeah. So we, we definitely want to try some of that out. And uh, I'm not I'm not the Bounty Hill killer type of guy. It's just never really been my thing. But in a chassis, I always told everybody, cause, you know, I get a lot of friends that ask, well, do a Bounty Hill. You should do a Bounty Hill. And I always said, you know, if I build a buggy, even if I don't race it all the time, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll run a Bounty Hill here and there. Just, you know, if it looks like something I, that feels fun that day then i'll go for it you know because when it stops being fun i'm going to stop doing it period 
Um, so, in, you know, if I show up at a survival race and, you know, the buggies all together and everything and we can do it, then I'll, I'll take on some of their hill killing stuff and, you know, see how it goes. Joey, Joey's asked me to do it a bunch and I just said, man, I don't know about a full body. Yeah. <laughs> the hills are a little serious for full body. Yeah, I, yeah. I give props to those guys like, uh, his name Jonathan Monroe. Is that his name? He drives a, the Blue Fire Razor that you, I guess it used to be. The, the, the Blue Torch Fab one? Yeah, or the blue, yeah, the blue, yeah, the blue torch fat one. I, I don't know who drives that one, but that's a real sharp full body. I do know, uh, yeah. my buddy Chris West, he's in the bright orange, uh, 2016 mm-hmm. turbo, and he went right. up to Dirty Turtle and just, I was talking to him and he said, he said, I don't know how I got up there, cause he said his eyes were closed half the time, he was in the air. <laughs> but, but man, does it, uh, it takes some, some courage to, uh, oh, to attack, you know, being a full body and do bounty hills, let alone, but like, you know that one in particular. That was nasty. Oh yeah, oh yeah, for sure. And and that that's been my thing is you know I don't want to ransack something beyond repair. Yeah, I, so, I totally agree. You know, because at the end of the day, <laughs> I'm not Bryce Menzies, so you know I can't I can't just call somebody and say send me a new one. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> totally, I get it. I can say send me a new one. They're they're gonna be asking for a credit card number. <laughs> after, so um, uh, so uh, <laughs> that was kind of my whole deal, holding off on the the bounty stuff, you know, and. I've done some sketchier hills here and there, right? Sure. But a lot of those those pro UTV hills are no joke. Yeah, you know, they're some serious. Like the second hill that I believe it was mine made, the one Stephen Rogers backflipped in. Yeah. Oh, that hill was. I was looking at that from the bottom, going, "There's. I'm just not going to hit that with it." You know, I might roll up it a few times. Yeah. And test it out. Yeah. And see, you know, if we were just hanging out, but with a timer on. There ain't no way I'm hitting that shit. It's just not happening. It's not the full body. <laughs> yeah, no, I completely agree. Um, but but all that sounds good for the season. Uh, you know, we talked about kind of where you came from, your rig, uh, your race season. You know, all that being said, like, is there anything that's on your mind? Anything more you want to talk about? Tell us about your rig. Tell us about the race season. Uh, or is there anything that you're like thinking about on the buggy or anything like that? You got any thoughts rolling around? We we do have some stuff. Um, we've got some thoughts on some suspension changes and stuff like that. It won't obviously won't be a brand change. Mm-hmm. ORB is way too good to, to ever change brands. Like I will run ORB until the day I stop racing or no longer own a razor or whatever. Yeah, it will always be ORB. Um, I just I'm pretty brand loyal like that. Um, but. Um, we've got some ideas for some suspension stuff we might want to change up in the future. Um, but, you know, nothing I, I want to let out of the bag too much. Yeah, no, I think that's but, fine. Uh, but as far as everything else goes, um, you know, just to go back over the buggy, I guess, um, we're, the parts that we're running on this buggy are just absolutely incredible. Um, from ORB suspension, color ball joints, uh, the performance side-by-side bushings have just completely erased one worry uh totally you know we don't even have to think about oh the pushing is shot is that what that squeak is if yeah. it's squeaking it ain't the pushing i can promise you that there you go uh, it's got a kvp drive line in it um let's see hess it's got all the hess steering components in it quickener and uh wheel and disconnect and all that stuff is from hess um you know evo evo power sports yeah so that's uh, actually something i wanted to ask, a lot of the I wanted to ask too is uh you know, you had an Evo tune on the 1000 and the turbo. Is that correct? 
Well, to be completely honest, it's actually not Pig, it is Stuck. And Don Campbell gets on to me every time I say that and tells me I'm lying. But if <laughs> C. Thompson and Mike Wiggins, if you know them, ask them. They will tell you that Buggy is not tuned. Yeah. It is Stuck. It's just, it, it could be tuned as soon as I wanted it to be. I just really haven't done it. Um, yeah. Didn't feel like sending the ECU in and doing all that stuff. Um, so I didn't. But it's got, you know, it's got the Evo blow off. It's got charge to be flow boot and all that stuff is done with Evo um, but it's actually a stock tune okay. um, which it probably needs to be tuned um, because that would probably make it run a little stronger it, it's not running bad it just it gets to the rev limiter it seems a little quicker than most people do and I think that's just because I'm running a wide open straight pipe yeah. you know and, and no tuning whatsoever and there's right. no two sensors so that's probably something to do with it it still has plenty of power and everything but it could definitely run better with a tune. And if I, you know, when I do tune it, it's not going to be a stage 6R with a big turbo and yeah. E85, and it's not going to be doing all that. It's going to be basically the smallest tune that I can put in it, raise the rev limiter a little bit, and raise the speed limiter, and that's about it. Yeah. No, I can, I completely understand. And I think that... Uh, you know, there's there's something to be said with with knowing your machine and knowing what needs to be fixed and what might be overkill. You know, right? Yeah. At a certain point, it's just it's driver. It doesn't. You know, you're not going to hit a hundred anyway. So yeah. why do you need to do a hundred? Yeah. yeah, I was about to say. Hopefully, you're not going to hit a hundred or try and hit something at a hundred. Uh, right. And and you know that's the thing. And it goes to prove that with like I said, Nick Campbell in a nine hundred XP against guys in full tube chassis turbo rig that are tuned and he put it on the podium because you know in that course that 900 XP was a better option you know it was it was faster because it was smaller you know it, it doesn't always matter how much horsepower you got it's how you can drive it and how big it is and what the course makeup is and all that so you know, we actually have a book we keep uh, my girlfriend keeps all this information because she is on this stuff as I am I mean I I posted a picture probably, I don't know, it was two weeks ago or so, I guess. <laughs> I walked in the dungeon and yeah. leaned over and said, what, what are you doing? She had the iPad pulled up watching uh, watching Dirty Turtle from last season. Uh-huh. Just on her own. I was out watching all the stuff. And when I came back in, she'd been in there for an hour watching the race of Dirty Turtle. Hmm. It's just, that's what she does. But she keeps a book that has, uh, you know, just all the information we need to be better. It's first place lap time second place lap time, third place lap time, the course makeup, where the race was, how many points I got, uh, how many points, um, you know, or, you know, just all that information yeah. that could be used over the season, how many points the leader has as of that race, yeah. how many points I have total as of that race, you know, and, and all that information. But like I said, the course makeup is one of the number one things on that list. Other than lap time, you know, you got – Everybody's lap time, my lap time, and, and the course makeup are at the very top of that page because I need to know in this course, you know, I was drastically slower than first place in this course. Mm-hmm. Why is that? Yeah, the course makeup or was it me? You know, is it because I can't drive in this scenario or is it because the car was too wide and I had to poke it through there? No, but, but we keep all that information and track it for every single race so that we know, you know, what to do better next time or what to look out for. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that that's, uh, that's really wise, and I, I can be honest with you, I don't know of anybody else doing that out there right now. Um, at least no one that I'm talking to uh, is keeping that kind of data uh, because, 
you know, there's something to be said for having an ability to go back and look and uh, analyze and see how you drove and, you know, be more conscious about how you're going to drive in the future, you know? Absolutely. And, and it's nothing else, you know. If I look back and I say, okay, well, all this is, you know, good or whatever, I'm cool with whatever this is, this all makes sense. But if nothing else, at the bottom of that page, I keep every media outlet that was there. Yeah. Who do I need to talk to? If I need pictures, who do I need to thank? What sponsors? That's true, um, too. You know, what sponsors provided what or, you know, what broke that I need to call somebody to fix? And all that is in that in that list of stuff. So I can go back to, you know, whatever it is, and I say, you know, okay, on this race, I broke this. Now the race is coming up in two weeks. I need to get this fixed. But I don't have to say, well, is that all I broke? Yeah. You know, I'm going to give it a good once-over and make sure of nothing else being broken, then that's going to go on the list, whatever it is, and I'm going to make sure that part is got, you know, whatever. And I don't have to second-guess myself and go, let me just everything, spend another two hours making sure everything's not broken. I know what's broken, and I know what needs to be ordered, and it can be done right then. Even her, who doesn't really have any knowledge of a UTV and how it works, can call whatever sponsor or whatever company it is and say, this is what we need, we need it by this day, whatever. And she can handle that, and I don't even have to mess with it. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Racers, pay attention. This is big. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know, it me, it, I stole the page out of, I'd like to say, Brandon Davis's book, but we both know it, it was Cheryl Davis's book. There you go. <laughs> and, and Rebecca Bacon's book, where they keep, you know, they keep times and points, and they keep all that. But I felt like those guys, when they come out to race, they know as long as everything goes pretty well normal and nothing crazy happens, uh-huh. they're probably going to finish in the top five. Sure. Um, so the course makeup and whatever, they've learned how to drive that over however many years they've been doing this, much longer than I have. Yeah. So the course makeup and all that little stuff might not be as important for them to note because, you know, whatever it is, they've already driven on it. You know, whereas to me, it might be something new that I really haven't seen much of yet. I haven't had a bunch of feet time in or anything like that, so... I try to keep that data, but at the end of the day, like I said, it all basically came from Cheryl Davis. Yeah. Because at any given time, I could walk up to Cheryl and say, where's Brandon sitting on the seat? Yeah. Well, after, if he finishes fourth today, where is he going to be? Or if he finishes second today, where is he going to be? Mm-hmm. You know, and she would she would have that answer. Man. She could tell me where he was going to be at the end of the day before he ever ran. If based on, you know, if he's going to be in fourth, sixth, third, yeah. first, whatever it is, she knew at the end of the day, no matter where he placed, where he was going to be in the corner. Yeah, and uh, that's you know? that's just another reason why uh, his, he's got a really successful team. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. All right, well, cool, man. Uh, I'm going to give you one more chance if you want to give anybody a shout-out or want to do anything, say anything. Um, we'll wrap things up here. So uh, if you want to, like I said, give someone a shout-out, now's the time. All right, for sure. Um, first off, I have to say thank you to my awesome family, my awesome girlfriend, Kayla. Um who, like I said, doubles as my race team manager. I couldn't do any of this if it wasn't for them and their support, uh, you know, and, and putting up with long road trips, long hours in the shop, and, you know, and everything else, taking care of, of my daughter when I need them to, or whatever it may be. I couldn't do it without them. Um, secondly, Wolf Fab works for believing in me, stepping on board and, and getting us this two chassis together. Um, we are super proud to represent Josh, and, uh, you know, he's, one of the best human beings you'll ever meet in your life. We'll go out of his way to help anybody. Y'all give him a shout. Facebook, uh, Wolf Fab Works. I think it's Wolf Fab Works Custom Fabrication and Off-Road is the name of the Facebook page. Um, of course, Bryant Dunnigan at Rock Life Off-Road. 
we uh, hopefully I can get my stuff together and be a part of this team. Rockland podium takeover we're going to shoot for this year again. Yeah, buddy. Um, we picked up some of the best drivers in the country, and you know Travis, Paul, Wolf, Christy, Nathan, the entire Wolf pack. We've got all of them on board this year, and we're super pumped to have them on the team. Um, Turner Cycles, uh, Evolution Power Sports, Performance Side by Side Bushing. Um, the Headlight Pros out of Memphis is one of my local sponsors. Takes care of all my electrical and lighting stuff. Unfortunately, he doesn't really know what to do with a front disc, or else <laughs> he can tell me with that. Yeah. Other electrical stuff, though. Um, and uh, Bat Cave Customs, obviously, um, just for just for being there for me, and you know, and everything else. Um, and I'm, I'm hoping I'm not forgetting anybody. ORB Color Ball Joints, uh, KB3 for sure. Uh, uh, without looking at my list, I tend to forget sometimes. No, but I, no, you're okay. I want to say that's I want to say that's everybody um, as far as the sponsors go. Yeah. Um, if you if you if you've course, forgotten anybody, uh, we'll tag them in the uh, in the release on all the social media and stuff, so nobody will be left sure. out. Awesome. Um, and then, of course, all the media guys. Um, of course, racing on the rocks podcast. This is awesome. I listen to every one of them when they come out. I actually listened to the part two of Hubert today and. I would imagine tomorrow at work, I'm probably going to listen to, what was the other one that just came out? Uh, Cody Wagner? Cody Wagner. Yeah, Cody Wagner. That's right. That's right. I'll probably listen to that one while I'm at work tomorrow. Uh, Deep Hats Photography, uh, Big Hill Media. Um, Who else am I missing? Uh, Off-Road Lifestyle, Image Off-Road, Black Dog. Can't forget Black Dog. Scott is my boy. Uh, Love that guy to death. He's... One of one of the most awesome people you'll ever meet too. Yeah. Um, and you know, Mad Ram, Busted Knuckle, of course. And uh, like I said, to all the guys at the you know the race series. Uh, I don't personally know the guys putting on the Outlaw series, but they look like they're doing some cool stuff, and I'm really excited to check it out. Yeah. Of course, Clyde, Dave, and uh, Bree, and the whole crew at Southern Rock Racing, and Joey tripping the guys over at Pro UTV. They've always been awesome to work with too. So you know, I said we're just we're just super pumped to. Uh, to get out there and get this thing together and, and start putting some passes down that are, you know, going to change some people's minds. And, hey, you know, might, might have given us a couple more haters, you know. Yeah, yeah. Hey, the haters. <laughs> hey. how that works, right? <laughs> Yeah, it is. It is. And uh, sometimes if you got if you got haters, it probably means you're doing something right. Yes, sir. So, uh, well, well, I appreciate it, Kyle. Um, f- first things first, I'm going to be at a race this year, and I'm, I'm going to let everyone know which one I'm going to be at. And uh, uh, I'll, I'll get a chance. I'll run up on you, and uh, we'll uh, take a picture or do something. I just got to check this buggy out, man. And, yeah, for uh, sure, man. Let me know. Come come hang out. You can come drive it around. Oh, get man. Out. No, <laughs> no, I'm excited <laughs> even more. Um, yeah. but, uh, we'll, we'll make some time, man. And, uh, thanks for being on the show. And if, if you'll stick around here just after we close up, uh, I will talk a little bit more and, uh, man, it, it's been great. Uh, it's so good to hear, uh, that just, you know, it seems like just a regular guy out here making it happen, uh, making the good, making the good works go on. And, uh, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Awesome, man. I appreciate it. All right, buddy. Well, we'll let you go. I appreciate you. Yes, sir. You too. Thanks for listening to the show today. Again, I want to tell you Infinite Off-Road, 10% off with code ROCKS, R-O-C-K-S. That'll get you 10% off the entire site at infiniteoffroad.com. And make sure you are in our contest. Facebook and Instagram all has the links on there. Get yourself signed up. Win yourself some free gear. It's free to enter. You have to do nothing but enter your email address and your first name. 
get hooked up now. But most importantly, it was a pleasure talking to Kyle. Kyle's an amazing guy. Kyle is a very, just, he's a guy I could hang out with. And I really enjoy talking to him. So thanks again for listening. And uh, we'll keep you guys updated.